1: A woohooer! A hand clap a high fiver I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGL report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. Hey
2: everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai,
3: there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome- Christ. Hey, guys, welcome Apple back to sauce. Worst Year Ever. God, God damn Thank it. you
1: for welcoming burr, me burr, back. Burr, burr, burr.
2: I'm Katie Stoll.
4: And us back. I'm Cody Johnston. Yep. And I am Robert fucking Evans. And I have decided to curse very loudly at the start of this episode with no real goal in mind.
2: Really? No goal in mind? You're an anarchist.
4: No, none whatsoever. Uh, I mean, we heard it, though. Uh, so goal
1: achieved, I would say. If yeah. your goal is at least some to be hurt. men
4: just want the world to do the mild obscenity version of burn, which is <laughs> nothing at all.
2: Uh, guys, what are we have talking no about today?
1: Um, uh,
4: the
2: I know the well, answer.
1: Greatest
4: man who will save us all. You yeah. know, one of the things that's cool about what's happened this last week is that if you think about all of this as a virus movie and pretend all of the candidates who just dropped out actually died, then this is kind of like the opening crawl of a zombie movie.
0: Sure. Yeah. Mm.
1: Um,
2: mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of that, but you, you raise a, a good point. We're talking about... Yeah. Brains. Blue Bloob- oh. Bloomberg. Oh, okay okay. Yes. Bloomberg. <laughs> um, Bloomberg. Yeah. Uh, I had an interesting Bl- <laughs> interaction right before we started recording uh, uh, a Bloomberg... Uh, Canvasser was texting with me and responding to me as we went back and forth. Heck yeah! Uh, it got my heated. God.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
2: They did not
1: because he's such a hot candidate. They did
2: not uh, feel like responding to my questions about stop and frisk, which we will get to. Sure. Um. But but he did respond to uh, my questions about how he felt about the the the, the massive amounts of sexual harassment mm. allegations, and he said. It was a joke. It was
4: good? Mm. It was
2: a joke. <laughs> and he didn't assault anybody. I didn't say assault. Anyway, actually, I'm not sure if it was a he. Um, I'm just assuming. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Uh, fun thing about uh, the the it's a joke thing. Uh, Bloomberg has said both it's a joke and also I apologize for the things that I've said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know.
2: Interesting. Um, but that I'm not here to, to rehash that interaction. Yeah, no, I'm here i to... to to say the, the words that we prepared, uh, starting with, we're, I believe, We're here to
4: celebrate the life of Mike Bloomberg yeah, at the 1980.
2: The legend, the man. I,
4: and I, I think we should, before we get into this, uh, acknowledge the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which is that some period of months ago, before Michael Bloomberg was in the race, in that long, distant, buried, hyperborean age, uh, we agreed to run political ads on the show uh, because we all love money actually we hate it but we need it for rent it's stupid Sundays, we made it up dog well, we made up money it's cat dumb food, also ammunition. it
2: looks our, our network wants to make money our show yes continues if it makes money so le- we like and money for a ver- variety of reasons
4: we we opted to take we're not going to run trump ads uh because that i i just i, I don't want to advertise for fascists yeah. but i assumed that at least we could know none of the democratic candidates are people that I would describe as a fascist, with the exception <laughs> of Tulsi Gabbard, but she has no money. Um, and then Mike Bloomberg entered the race, <laughs> and the question became muddled. Um,
2: and we and are getting his ads, it did, as you guys know.
4: And we are getting his ads. But that presents us with a rare and beautiful opportunity, which is to do an episode about what a piece of shit Mike Bloomberg was, sponsored officially by Mike Bloomberg for president.
2: And So uh, this,
4: everything in this episode is signed off on by the Mike Bloomberg campaign. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, we uh, on some more news yep. recently did an episode about
1: Mike Bloomberg, and the whole bit was that uh, I was paid yeah, by joke. Mike Bloomberg, <laughs> uh, and I would list off all the terrible things he said and done, but like with a positive spin because it was paid yeah. for by Mike Bloomberg, and he's really good. Um, and uh, it's like falls apart as the episode goes on, uh, and I I love that it's we get to do it true. for real. Yeah.
2: Um,
4: yeah, it's so exciting. He's literally, literally paid, paid by by, yeah. by Bloomberg.
2: Well, I think we should get into it because I know Robert, you've got seven pages or so prepared, and then we have stuff. <laughs> I sure do. So, you want to tell <laughs> us a I bit apologize. about his early life?
4: Don't apologize for anything. Yes, except for, for not for being everything. here with us right now.
2: Wait, what's the what's the slogan? Yeah. What?
4: Mike Bloomberg, or we're doomberged.
2: Okay. Uh,
4: Michael Bestberg, the the.
1: Bloomberg. Bloom best. Good. I like Bloom Mike. Best. Oh, Blow the Bloom best. Mike. Bloom best. The Bloom Mike Bloom best. I
2: really don't have
1: one. Uh, you, there's there's a, a bit of like, Roomberg for yeah. Bloomberg.
2: I like the Doomberg. Oh, that's it. That's Cody got good. it. That's pretty good. Um, all right. There's a bit of Roomberg for Bloomberg. Robert, can you take us away?
4: You're, take us far, far far, take far, far we'll far take away. Dear God, make me a bird so I can fly
2: far, far from here.
4: On That's a journey back after... to a better time, a more peaceful time, uh, a time of enlightenment and and wonder and joy. I'm talking, of course, about 1942, Heck a yeah. year in which nothing bad happened, <laughs> nothing, nothing at all bad happened. I was like, which, which, which <laughs> decade is he <you> talking about?
1: <laughs> That's okay, 42.
4: So we're. We're going to start this story going back on to February 14th, Valentine's Day, Ooh. 1942. And Cody, could, would you help me set the mood oh with God, um, Robert. a little bit of a time machine noise?
2: <laughs> I have to take my headphones
4: off. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: stop!
4: Yeah, that's a Mike Bloomberg time machine noise.
2: This is abusive. We're six minutes in and we haven't done anything we
0: prepared.
4: <laughs> Boo! I, I, I feel like... <laughs> The sound you're making, Cody, is the sound Mike makes when he tweaks his own nipples at night before bed. And I want to leave everyone with that image before we get into this. That's a medical issue, though, for him. Okay? Let's not... He paid for me to say that, Katie.
2: (laughs) Boys... (laughs) I'm having uh, a lot of doubts about whether or not I'll continue to work with men in the future. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I so am I, I, Katie. Love you guys. Okay. 1942.
4: Okay. <laughs> Should I redo the sounds? All right. Mike Bloomberg, oh. born February 14th, 1942. Um, he came into this world uh, via the ministrations of the good people at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Brighton, Massachusetts, near Boston. His father was William Bloomberg, the son of Russian immigrants who'd got out of the country just in time to avoid the whole fall of the Tsar mess, which was. On balance, probably a good idea. Uh, William taught Hebrew in Chelsea, Massachusetts. Michael's mother, Charlotte, came from a family of Belarusian immigrants who'd settled in New Jersey. She grew up in Hoboken and Jersey City, where her parents ran a successful wholesale grocery business. She'd earned a business degree in 1929 from New York University's night school, which was obviously very rare for women in that day, and she got a job immediately, which was also quite rare. Uh, she worked as an assistant auditor for National Dairy, where she was introduced to her boss by her boss to William Bloomberg. The two hit it off, got married, and moved to Boston, where Mike was born, as we stated, in 1942. When Michael was two, the family moved out to Brookline, where they lived in a rented home until their landlord sold the house by surprise and kicked them out. Um, <laughs> if Mike had been a few years older and mem- remembered this... Perhaps some of his... Yeah, like a
1: that's different. a thing that happens in your <laughs> life. Might have, and you're like, yeah, might
2: have changed the whole trajectory hmm. of his, his yeah. life. But, should have been, should have been born in
4: 1939. But
2: it didn't, yep. and he hasn't, mm. so...
4: And he hasn't. And so his parents, uh, because it was the 40s, and you could just decide to buy a home of your own, his parents decided to buy a home of their own instead of renting again. Uh, They picked the town of Medford for their new house because it was close to where both William and Charlotte worked. This was – moving to Medford was not a simple process because the Bloombergs were Jewish, uh, and Medford was still very heavily segregated. Several neighborhoods in the town were places where Jews unofficially were not allowed to live, and this was not uncommon in the United States at this period. Um, Huge amounts of anti-Jewish racism. Um, one of Mike's childhood friends, Thomas Buckley, later told the New York Times, my uncle wouldn't dare sell to a Jew. Uh, and his uncle was a realtor in the neighborhood the Bloomberg's moved into. Uh, quote, if he did, he would have been out of business. Uh, he knew they were buying it. He just didn't say anything. And the way that the Bloomberg family accomplished this is that they had their lawyer, an Irishman, purchase the property from the realtor, and then he sold it directly to the Bloomberg Mm, family. So they were able to, like, get the house through subterfuge, which, yeah, um... So while obviously racism was a factor in, you know, Mike Bloomberg's family's experience, it wasn't something he himself seemed to experience much. Michael and his peers uh, who grew up with him in Medford suggest that, like, they really didn't encounter much anti-Semitic bigotry, and this is probably due to the fact that by the time Mike was really making memories, World War II had really come to a close, Um, and there was still obviously, as there is now, as we've all gotten very well informed of, a lot of anti-Semitism in the United States. But in the wake of all the concentration camps being revealed and all of that happening, um, a lot of Americans who were anti-Semitic stopped being so loud about it. Right. Um, and it kind of seems like Mike grew up in a time where he really, while it was still there, he didn't see much of it.
1: Right, um, the uh, s- the quiet part loud era was shifting a bit to keep it quiet. Keep Be a little quiet, yeah.
4: And what the quiet part stopped being loud because of the six million or so people who died when Uh the quiet part Uh was allowed to be loud, yeah. Got too loud, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that says something about what we should do to people who say the quiet part quiet. Um, Mm -hmm. so (laughs) Mike was a unique lad from the start, a natural born contrarian who preferred to play by his own rules. He was a terrible athlete and a bad student, but he excelled in the Boy Scouts, where he was allowed to go off and explore at his own pace. He reached the rank of Eagle Scout before he was technically eligible to receive it. People who knew him then described a boy who, a boy who was fed up with his boring small town from the very beginning. Uh, he wanted the world, not a sleepy street in Massachusetts. Paul Thoreau, an author who grew up in Medford at the same time and knew Mike, said this of their hometown. It was not a bad place, but a place you want to leave, to escape from. I thought it would be death to stay there, that I would just be swallowed up. It was all right to grow up there, but to the stay there? Fatal. Which I definitely agree with, because I feel kind of the same way about Plano, Texas. Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of people probably have that experience with their, their, their hometown. So, that's Mike's uh, 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 kind <clears> of... <throat> It's interesting. I make my living, obviously, telling the stories of very famous, influential people, most mm-hmm. of whom are men, and Bloomberg's story follows a really familiar pattern. Uh, if you read articles about his life in the New York Times or his unbelievably positive biography, The Many Lives of Michael Bloomberg, <laughs> every what everyone emphasizes is that absolutely everybody who knew this kid understood he was marked out for greatness— Mm. Um, and obviously, that is true in some cases. Like, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know somebody who, like, from the beginning, they were like, oh, this person's, like, yeah. you know, talented and great. Yeah, and they're they're gonna, going, they're they they going did. places. My, my yeah. friend's
2: baby is constantly he, trying to play the guitar and bang on the drums. He's going to be a rock yeah. star. Yeah. I get it.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> w- w- but at the same time, whenever I see it oh, I like written that. out. L- no. <laughs> whenever I see it written out like that. um <sighs> Sorry, sorry, I, sorry. I just don't buy it in the yeah. case of this biography. Maybe it's true. Um, but they I, I yeah. will tell you that you can't read about Mike Bloomberg's early life without a bunch of quotes from people who knew him as a kid saying that they were all sure he was going to be uh, a big deal. Not he paid um, off
6: to say that he was a big deal? Yeah. Is that what you're saying?
4: <laughs> I'm not alleging that because that actually might be legally actionable. Um, but I am saying that it is hard not to read those stories and suspect something of that nature. Yeah,
1: like as 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 somebody who officially has been paid by Bloomberg, I would say yeah. that uh, at a young age, he was going places.
2: I'm sure that paid volunteer I talked to earlier would also say that. Going places. Anyway, go ahead, Robert.
4: So, uh, yeah, this segment from a New York Times article on Michael's background is representative of the whole. Quote, He could do everything from his point of view, you know, his mother recalled, smiling at the thought when she was 98 years old. Sharp of memory and gracious in manner as she sat in the living room of the modest New England home where she and her husband had raised two children, Charlotte Bloomberg evoked Mike's childhood as at once unremarkable and distinctive. She described a rambunctious boy who trailed dirt into the house despite her constant warnings, scared his sister with snakes, impressed friends with the ham radio set in his room, and acted out at school just a regular kid sounds like a if there jerk. was one trait that stood out in Mike's childhood foreshadowing the adult he would become it was his stubborn insistence on taking charge anything that came along he wanted to do it Miss Bloomberg said he wanted to be the boss of whatever we were working on he wanted to run everything it
2: sounds unbearable
4: sounds like um yeah he, he really does
2: like that that's the kid you don't want to sit next to at lunch
1: that's the kid you don't want to uh be the president one day
4: mm-hmm. no <laughs> No, I, want, I want, want, to want to rule everybody. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. No. no. <laughs> it's, direct, it's a direct quote. Kid, you want to be the president one day. Mm-hmm. Is, I don't know. Macaulay Culkin? I don't know. So in high school, Mike was not a standout student, uh, either in academics or personality. He was a C student for pretty much his whole academic career. Mm. Uh, He was a member of the debate club, but he was the president of the slide rule club, um, (laughs) which might be the only thing he ever winds up being president of, God God willing.
2: (laughs) So he's already had a taste of that sweet, sweet presidential power.
4: The slide rule club? (laughs) The slide rule club, Cody. I... Have
1: questions that I don't think you can answer, so I'm going to keep them to
4: myself. Yeah. I mean, one thing we can assume is that as president of the Slide Rule Club, he was legally forbidden from getting laid.
1: Sure.
2: I mean, yeah. Uh. yeah.
4: It's in the bylaws. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry to all so the Slide Rule fans now. out there. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a second, Katie. The Medford <laughs> High School yearbook had a section where they described each kid's personality in a single word. Mike's was argumentative. That is so which... funny. Oh is so
2: funny. But he's terrible at arguing <laughs> on stages now. He's, he's really so bad at, at it. it. He's so he's bad really at debates.
1: Bad. How it's far like, he's fallen. It's fascinating because he has so many odious ideas and views, yet he's also incapable of arguing for Ugh.
4: them. <laughs> like, he's yeah. he's
1: got both both... Both are wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it's like
4: if someone filled Ben Shapiro's mouth with toffee.
1: Yeah, just can't do it. Just can't get it out.
4: (laughs) Actually, so. (laughs) <laughs> now, Mike did not have a particularly exciting love life in high school. See, the Slide Rule Club, mm. uh, one of his female class. I, I'm sorry, I normally don't. I was a big nerd. But I played. Pre- I, had, I always had d and D book, but like I mean, the Slide Rule Club. Come on, President. President. That's come pretty. On. Pre- that's. Yeah, I don't know. That's high up in the Slide Rule Club. Um, I'm sorry. I I feel like I like I I'm like. Slowly morphing into that guy from Revenge of the Nerds who uh, uh, screams nerds and rips his shirt off. Mm -hmm, Um, Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, yeah. uh, Ox, ox. I think think that sounds right. Yeah. (laughs) Bone Man. So, one of Mike's female classmates later admitted to his biographer that every girl in school considered him the biggest nerd. Sure. She remembered that one girl <laughs>
2: Sorry. Go ahead. I mean, a-, a lot of our listeners and ourselves maybe were the biggest nerds. Yeah. So. Nothing
1: wrong with that.
4: Yeah, again, I never didn't have a and d book with me. But also school, I look so at him like... and I believe it. Okay. I f- <laughs> fully believe it. Yeah. Now, uh, she remembered that one girl kept getting asked out on dates by Mike, uh, and this girl first told him that she couldn't go because her grandfather had died, and then when he asked again, uh, she told him that he couldn't go because her other grandfather had died. And after hearing this, Mike just asked her, how many grandparents do you have left? Oh, no. That's funny. (laughs) That is so... Cute sad. It's cute sad. Hey, we all... We all have that experience asking out someone who's, like, not feeling it and, like, it sucks. It sucks no matter what. It's never fun. But you got to get the hint at some Mm -hmm. point. (laughs) Do you, (laughs) though? You just walk away ashamed. You don't have to. You could just run for president and then they'll all have to say yes. To make a long, boring story short, Michael went to oh. Johns Hopkins University uh, and got a degree in electrical engineering. Then he went to Harvard and got an MBA. He was able to avoid getting drafted to fight in Vietnam thanks to his flat feet. <laughs> he received a 1Y medical deferment in 1966, the exact same sort of deferment that President Donald Trump received in 1968
1: for his bone spurs. Oh, so interesting. Cool. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's where the similarities stop, though,
2: right? Right. Th- the else. only
4: one. Okay. Yep. Good. All right.
1: Got him. Now,
2: <laughs> all
4: right. <laughs> President John F. Kennedy was assassinated by Bernard Montgomery Sanders, mm-hmm. uh, Sanders <laughs> in Mike's senior year. Uh, this was devastating to most of his peers and most people in America. Many of them took to the streets. Uh, but Mike saw Kennedy's murder as a blip in the real history of his time. Excuse Mike's me, what? own words. <laughs> a blip in the real history of his time. Is that a quote? The, the assassinate. Yeah, that's Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> JFK's assassination was a blip.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> what does it even mean?
4: Yeah, it's like the defining moment of a generation. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Awesome.
2: I mean, yeah. It, it, <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> right?
1: Like, yeah. Do you know? remember where you were sitting when you found out? I don't know.
2: He's like, NBD,
6: guys. Let's move on. I was I mean, asking like, Pam I feel again. Like,
4: I feel like <laughs> 9-11 was kind of a blip compared to the real defining moment of our generation, which was the release of the Tim Allen movie, Big yeah. Trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stanley uh, Tucci. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike added, quote, it was like the death of Princess Diana and that everybody thought the world had changed and the papers were full of it. But a week later, people go back to their own work, their, wor- their own lives, and there was nothing changed. No matter what anybody says, he's <laughs> really insistent oh, about this. I love
1: that. I love Nobody that he added gets that. I mean, that's, right. the
4: kind,
2: that's the kind of big picture thinking we need in the office of yeah. the president. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I love that he added that bit at the end, like – no matter what anybody says cuz he knows he's wrong yeah. so you have to slip that in because no i know one agrees i know literally everyone is going to disagree with me on this but
4: yeah uh, amazing when interviewed about this 30 years later mike's primary regret about the assassination assassination of john fitzgerald kennedy is that it led to the cancellation of a fraternity dance party that he'd helped to plan he expressed frustration about this in an interview 3 decades after the fact they didn't get their deposit back
2: oh, my. okay <laughs>
4: It go, oh, my! God. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
2: So uh,
1: a guy who like holds really unimportant grudges is what you're suggesting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
4: really cool. unimportant grudges against the murdered president. Okay. <laughs> okay.
2: Now that is where the oh, similarity. That's stop. where it ends. That's the
4: yeah. end of it. Mm. Okay. All right. I mean, I gotta say, this does make his anger at Bernard Sanders make a little bit more sense because Bernie Sanders is why he didn't right. get to hold that party. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After college, Mike got himself a job at Salomon Brothers, an investment banking firm in New York City. His job starting out was to count and organize millions of stocks and bonds, a task he did well enough that it set him on the path to an early rise. He became a partner at the age of 30. Wow, wow, wow. In nineteen, 19- yeah, uh, in 1978, uh, that same year, uh, something went wrong inside the company. I think they were bought by somebody. It's kind of unclear exactly why. Uh, but he was given the job of running the firm's information technology division, and he usually says that it was almost as a punishment, so it seems like he kind of got shafted. Maybe it's just that he was, like, the new partner, but he got stuck with this, like, what was seen as kind of a crap job. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, computers kind of played a minor role in trading at that point. The money wasn't really in it. It was, you know, th- that, that wasn't just how trading was done. Um, But Mike got into computer trading very early, and his work with computers gave him an idea, probably the only truly great idea he's had in his entire life, the Bloomberg Terminal. Mm. Have you guys ever heard of the Bloomberg Terminal? No. It's the whole reason he's a billionaire. This is the thing that made him rich. Um, And his idea was basically to build a a comprehensive computer system for stock trading and analysis, sort of like a giant early smartphone focused entirely on helping traders do their job better. It was an ambitious idea, and Mike had it before anyone else, or at least anyone else with the funds to make it a reality. See, Mike got really, really lucky and was fired at this point and given a $10 million severance what? package. Ooh. So he had, yeah, he had all, his company got bought and he got like fired in a bunch of money and he had enough money to, to pay to make this terminal idea of his a reality. And it's one of those things, looking back, knowing what we know about technology, everyone can see, oh yeah, at some point stock trading was yeah. going to get computerized. A yeah. product like the Bloomberg terminal was going to get made. But he was the first person to have the idea and right, he put his money on the line and, and made it happen. That's know? interesting. Wow.
1: It's like the um like whenever people talk about like the brilliant Jeff Bezos like and all of his deserving yeah. money and stuff, where it's like, well, he had the idea of a bookstore but online.
2: I do bet that yeah. uh, that building this computer system was excessively difficult because oh, nobody I'm knew sure. what it was.
1: But at a certain I'm not point. defending
2: Bloomberg. Like but-
1: Facebook, like,
4: okay, you had like a phone book online. <laughs> basically. I mean, what I I will say is that everyone who uses it up to this day, there were like a bunch of reports kind of like in the early aughts that like, oh, this new app or this new thing is going to like lead to the death of the bloomberg terminal because everything's computerized now and they're not going to need it it's still like the industry standard and incredibly yeah. common and pretty much everyone agrees it's a great product so like I, I, I don't it. know yeah. stock trading and i hate it and think it should be illegal mm. but it seems like it's a great product for doing yeah. this thing that i hate and think should be illegal yeah. speaking um, of
2: products we have to take a really quick break this is a quick one
4: a really quick break for these ads by our good friend mike bloomberg <laughs>
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
6: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year
4: Wow, those were great ads. You know what I liked most is, I I liked most the fact that Mike Bloomberg promised that as president, no girl would be able to say no when he asked them out to the school dance. Mm -hmm. That's a really important platform.
2: I I, I like having the choice taken away from me. You know, choices are
1: hard. Exactly, it's it's his three-strike plan, Mm -hmm. where like, okay, one grandparent excuse, okay, two grandparent excuses, okay. The third one, you gotta say yes. That's how strikes work, You gotta say yes to Mike. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: I I you know and going into this election my big thing was wanting um my friends with diabetes not to die from insulin shock but now I'm mm-hmm. on team let make girls not say no to Michael yeah. Bloomberg 3 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We're all agreed. Winning cool. platform. So, <laughs> um when Mike gets forced out of his company given 10 million dollars, uh he puts it into starting a company called Innovative Market Solutions. Uh, He has, he and, you know, the people he hires uh, build the Bloomberg Terminal, um, and it's a huge success. Uh, The Bloombergs, as they came to be known on Wall Street, were soon the hottest property in the industry. By the mid-1980s, every self-respecting trader wanted one. They were incredibly expensive, tens of thousands of dollars a year. But if you didn't have one, it meant your company really didn't value you as a trader, and that's still kind of the way things are. Soon, Bloombergs were selling like hotcakes, and Michael was a billionaire and the richest man in New York City. He took his newfound fame and used it to launch Bloomberg News and Bloomberg TV, both of which were aimed at other rich people who invest in the stock market rather than the actual workers who create the value stock market people buy and trade. I, I'm not a big fan of the stock market. It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound Too like bad, it. Too bad, though. I know, I know. If only I had invested, uh, I would be making all this sweet coronavirus money. Outside of work, Michael got up to the standard rich guy hobbies. He got his pilot's license and became a competent pilot with both a helicopter and a jet plane. He regularly flies himself around to this day, and I'm sure he's excited to be president and get press shots, press shots of himself in the pilot seat of Air Force One. That's a hundred percent gonna happen if Absolutely. he gets elected. He's already planning it. He's already planning it. Look at me! Um, I'm flying. You're... Sorry. And he's probably going to film, like, a YouTube video of himself flying his campaign jet around and talking about how, like, Donald Trump can't even fly his own, something like that. Oh, and God. It's, I, we, it's going to happen. Yeah, it he might will. be out by he the time this episode drops. Man of the yeah. people. Outside of flying, though, Michael also got up to what is probably the most traditional billionaire hobby of all, divorcing his first wife. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, Treasure uh, pastime. <laughs> <laughs> the Many Lives of Michael Bloomberg, his biography, says this, quote, his wife, Susan, who left after she grew tired of his high energy and increasingly public lifestyle, would remain friendly and even work in his campaigns. Ooh, all right. I'm sure that's the end of the story. That's the end. <laughs> they did it. Now... This biography is authored by New York Times reporter Eleanor Randolph, uh, and she's absolutely a real journalist, or at least was, and this is supposed to be an independent biography not commissioned by Michael Bloomberg or written under his orders. It was published in September of 2019, and I don't believe for one second that there was – there's nothing
2: – That timing's Something
4: too changed hands here. Absolutely. It's the most – Disgustingly positive biography, I think I've ever read yeah. in my entire life. For example, when writing this, Eleanor, I think, had a very clear idea of what people would attack Mike for when he ran for president. So, for yeah, example, he the book makes it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was an outline sent along. The book makes a huge point of talking about how many women Michael has hired for important positions and how strong willed and powerful his daughters are.
2: His daughter's good um, friends with
1: um,
4: the <laughs> Oh, very strong, she sure is best friends because mm-hmm. they're all the same mm-hmm. people. <laughs> Here's a random paragraph from this totally independent biography that absolutely was not written as a blatant, shameless advertisement for Mike Bloomberg's presidential campaign. Are you guys ready for this random paragraph? Picked at random. I can't this wait this for the independent thing that book you had
1: not planned. That you just you
4: flipped to a page. With help from friends, Bloomberg managed to hide any hurt about his failed marriage, and soon he could be seen with some of New York society's most glamorous women. He mostly liked women his age, a bit unusual for the Wall Street crowd, but that could still include Broadway or movie stars like Anna Reeking or Marissa Berenson. He escorted friends like Barbara Walters and Annette de Laurentiis to the city's most luxurious galas. He told the London Guardian in 1996, "I am a single, straight billionaire in Manhattan. What do you think? It's like a wet dream." Classy. Ooh, class act. Ooh. <laughs> <Ew. laughs> the paragraph is just It kept going. She's really She had to use the wet dream quote, I think, um, because it was like it was gonna come up. Yeah, you gotta um, you gotta use all a lot of pipe to to try to negate it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, great. Totally a journalist and not a paid ghostwriter Eleanor Randolph, who absolutely is not a tired reporter cashing in on the credibility of the New York Times, make sure to note that by the time Mike ran for mayor of New York City, the Post had labored, labeled him as the anti-bimbo billionaire oh because he dated women who were relatively close to his age rather than children. Which, <laughs> Hell yeah, that sounds
1: like a man who respects women. I'm anti-bimbo. I love women. I respect yeah. them. I I hate bimbos. Unbelievable. <laughs>
4: God, Mike. So good, and I said that he was famous, according to his biographer, who he didn't pay for dating women who were close to his own age and not children. And we could say more about Mike's relationship with Jeffrey Epstein here, <laughs> but that would be mean, and it's not a journalist's job to be mean or talk about I how honest, many different phone numbers you appear under in a famous pedophile's fuck notebook.
2: And I feel like we've just mentioning it once is all we need to do. <laughs> got
4: a, got yeah, a few numbers it's three, three in times, book. I think. Yeah. Multiple phone numbers. Half a page. Jeff really wanted to stay in touch with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Weird. The, of the
1: people in that book, uh, Trump's got like almost a full page, I believe, and Mike's got like, almost oh, yep. like incomparable. Uh,
4: but he's anti-bimbo. Yes. And that's what's important for you all to remember in this podcast paid for by Michael Bloomberg. So, <laughs> Eleanor Randolph quotes her subject as saying this. I find women my age more interesting, I guess. Maybe it's just that I have less in common with younger women. It's also safer. Somehow or another, the wives of your friends find it much more reassuring. So Mm. that's nice. Mm. You guys Mm -hmm. trusted Mike yet? I've always trusted Mike. In the late. I like Mike. You like Mike? Mm -hmm. We all like Mike. In the late 1990s, Michael expressed no interest in marrying again. He spent most of his mayoral years with Diana Taylor, a financial executive who is described by totally a real reporter Eleanor Randolph as straight out of Anna Wintour's wardrobe room at Vogue. It notes that Taylor was basically the woman Michael trotted out when he needed to be seen with a woman, since he was unmarried. Eleanor does state that he, quote, seemed to treat her like a politically appropriate appendage, and one of the few vaguely critical lines of the book. So... That happened, I guess. I guess you know that's fine. She's like a mature adult woman. If you make the decision that it's good for your career to be the hanging out with the mayor, like that's a fine thing. Not like being in Jeffrey Epstein's black book. It's not like
1: that. No. Um, Yeah.
4: No. Uh, I really, though, I I can't overemphasize what a piece of self-aggrandizing shit uh, the Mike Bloomberg biography is. At one point, it notes that some people thought Mike Mike might be gay because, quote, even when he was nominally a Republican, he supported gay marriage and civil rights and then Eleanor Randolph somehow swallowed her self-hatred long enough to write this paragraph. But simply watching him work a crowd might have helped dispel dispel such notions that he might have been gay. Once accepting and awarded a gala for the Citizens Union Public Interest Group in 2013, Mike Bloomberg spotted a tall blonde woman in a small huddle of people. The mayor maneuvered himself so that as he passed by the makeshift receiving line, he could give her a hug, a kiss on each cheek. Then he moved a little to shake hands with a few admirers. Then he came back to the blonde. Another hug, two more kisses. He even seemed to be angling for a third round when the blonde suddenly moved on. Out of reach.
2: Uh-huh. Uh I mean okay. Pointing to his womanizing <laughs> as proof of him not being gay doesn't really track for me mm-hmm. because that's also what people do when they're trying really hard to not seem gay. But I don't know. I'm not saying Michael Bloomberg's gay. Also, who cares if he is?
4: Yeah, I, I don't care if he is. I, I I think it's it's more kind of uh, just gross to me the way
2: The blog that's
4: like spun as like what's going on in that paragraph.
2: It's a, terrible, yeah, well, it's a I mean, terrible piece of writing. It's,
4: it's a paragraph. yeah. Like, it, it, it starts with, like, some people said he might have been gay because he was nicer to gay people than most Republicans. Yeah. And then dispels that by spinning a story of him clearly, like, not uh, harassing might be a little strong, but making a woman uncomfortable yeah. as, like, yeah. a positive story. Multiple like, times like, going back so for it. Weird. Yeah. man Do you think that putting a
2: woman in an uncomfortable situation?
1: um, Do you think that the blonde, uh, those first two instances, said that uh, her grandfather just died? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And the second time, she's like, "It is. It is. It's another another two, right? It's
4: another. It's the same. It's it's Mike, like fifty years apart, getting told no twice by a woman. It is the same thing. It's amazing. Things never change. I, I feel a little bad that I'm like being so critical about Eleanor Randolph just because, like. I don't want to just be like yelling at a lady journalist in this Mike Bloomberg episode, but it's like really just reading the book is really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like the it's not she's a journalist. She really is. She has a real background as a journalist. I don't know how you write this book. Um, I mean, but this also, whole Bloomberg campaign yeah. has brought a lot of people out of the woodwork and mm-hmm.
1: being like, "Oh, yeah, you're a bot. Okay, oh, you're a fraud." And,
4: you know, maybe not to it's fraud, sad as sad as like. You know. Or maybe, like, she worked a long, hard career as a journalist, and now she needs enough money to pay for medical care. Uh, maybe. Maybe. And it's a tough industry. I yeah, think I don't of, know. I can think of a,
1: a vote she could uh, do
4: Yeah. to make that No, better. no, there's no way to vote for health care. Now, this shameful, shameful book goes on to note that, like many men of his generation, Bloomberg was bewildered by the, this is the book's words, so-called Me Too movement, the army of women who complained about mistreatment and abuse in the earlier times. Hmm. Mm. In the earlier times. Yes. The a days lo- of yore. Way to get
1: uh, a really good mm-hmm. tell whenever anyone says
4: the so-called Me Too movement.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're they're showing their hands. They really
4: are. Eleanor notes that Mike immediately updated the company rules to protect female employees, quote, and make sure they were given premier benefits. Okay. Oh, good. (laughs) Finally. Here are some other things Mike said in the earlier times, Uh, uh, as is well known, thanks to the debate. I love the lore, like in the (laughs) earlier times. Yeah. (laughs) In 1997, one of his employees told him she was pregnant, and Michael Bloomberg said, "Kill it." Now, this came up in the debate, uh, and he—it was basically denied. Um, it w- was it Warren that brought this up. Yeah. Warren brought it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was glad she brought it up. I—I I, I do what the one thing I wish she would have done is when she was asked what this was based on, she said it was based on this woman testifying, and it is, and that's that's accurate. But there was also another employee who heard it, and yeah. and like. Backs up that like this right. is not just he said she said this is other people witnessed it and reported it, um, and they are not the only ones who reported Mike Bloomberg saying some gross shit, gross shit, like the royal family. What a bunch of misfits, a gay an architect, that horsey faced lesbian, and a kid who gave up coo Stark for some fat broad
2: Wow wow, wow, Mike
4: Bloomberg, everybody now that last quote comes from a book called The Portable Bloomberg. Have you guys heard of this? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. I can't believe this isn't bigger news. I can't believe it didn't make it into a debate. The Portable Bloomberg is a book made by employees to celebrate Michael Bloomberg's 48th birthday in 1990. He turned 48 DeMars- so long ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's was a while. Elizabeth DeMars, Bloomberg's chief marketing officer and the book's publisher, insists in the book, yes, these are all actual quotes. Now, the whole book is available online. Somebody gave it to, I forget which uh, media organization, but it's out there. You can read the whole damn thing. Mike's campaign denies that he said anything, any of the things written in this gag gift, which is how they described it. Mm-hmm. But that same sp- spokesman for the Mike Bloomberg campaign immediately added this to the Washington Post. Mike openly admits that his words have not always aligned with his values and the way he has led his life. And some of what he has said is disrespectful and wrong. That's the, okay. that's the quote. Yeah. I'm going to read that again and really take in this sentence. Mike openly admits that his words have not always aligned with his values and the way he has led his life, and some of what he has said is disrespectful and wrong. Mm. That's that's a doozy right
1: there. Great. Um, I yeah. love uh, his campaign is uh, I wouldn't say good at it because it's so obvious, but uh, they love doing yeah. stuff like that, um, sort of talking around things, and it's like saying like, yeah, I didn't say them, but also they're all jokes.
4: Well, yeah. What I didn't mean? say them but they're jokes.
1: Yeah. It's uh
4: yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's great. Speaking of disrespectful and wrong, here's another line from the Portable Bloomberg. I know that for a fact any self-respecting woman who walks past a construction site and doesn't get a whistle will turn around and walk past again and again until she does get one.
2: <laughs>
4: good uh, good um, stuff, right? Yeah. This is
1: beautiful stuff. Here's What if um Yeah, he went away. Uh,
2: um, I'm I'm glad that he knows <laughs> that, that, that for a fact. That any self-respecting woman, he because he's Katie. right. I I will loop mm-hmm. back and forth until I get what I deserve, which is
1: some kissy noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, when you're uh, famous, they let you do it. I've heard.
4: Now, Cody, that sounds like something a completely different and bad person would say. Very different from the things that Mike Bloomberg said. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what else Mike Bloomberg said, Cody? Hmm. Here's from the section of the Portable Bloomberg titled, On Employee Motivation. Mike, how do you motivate someone? Simple. Are they addicted to three meals a day? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Starvation's the best modifier. I
1: his, uh, Motivator. His relationship with, like, uh, like the boss-employee relationship he envisions yeah. for himself, and the way he views the world is so messed up, and, like... What he thinks, it's like horrible. people deserve, and like how you get them to do stuff for you—it's just disgusting.
6: Just wait for the next quote, yeah.
4: dude. I don't want to make I want the it. customer think he's getting laid when he's getting fucked.
2: Oh my god.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. <sighs> on on I- negotiations. Oh boy, Cody. You, I'm sorry. We're so have so many more of these Ooh. on negotiations. What do I want? I want an exclusive 10-year contract, an automatic extension, and I want you to pay me, and I want a blowjob from Name Blanked Out. Have you seen Name Blanked Out lately? Not bad for 50. Oh my God, Because he's anti-bimbo. He likes older women. Yeah. See? Yeah, he's woke. He hates
1: He hates bimbos. Very good. Thank you, Mike, for your bravery.
4: Other Mike Bloomberg quotes on negotiations. Keep your legs closed. That's a good one. Always pick a fight with someone smaller than you. <laughs> Oh, As Chuck Colson put it, if you have them by their balls, their hearts and minds will follow. <laughs> Don't get even, get revenge. Use the Nancy Reagan defense, just say no. And then here's from a section on called on being told no. Let me tell you something, buddy boy, I have pictures of you and they're not with your wife. Boom!
2: You got boom blurred.
4: Hey, boom Here's from a section called characterization of a competitor. Cokehead Womenizing. Fag. Cool. Excellent. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Great guy. Man of the people. Ew. Mm hmm. On computers. You know why computers will never take the place of people? Because a computer would say that the sex of the person giving you a blowjob doesn't matter.
2: Hey, oh. Ha ha! Joke? Ha-ha! Yeah. Uh,
4: you like
1: the comedies. These uh, are the comedies. Uh, I've been waiting. You know, Trump's a funny president,
4: but we need a hilarious mm-hmm. one. Oh, just wait. And then here's from a section called On the Bloomberg, which is, remember, the terminal thing that he made his fortune selling. It will do everything, including give you a blowjob. I guess that puts a lot of you girls out of business.
2: Ugh. I'm really upset. <laughs> okay.
4: Again, these are things that Mike Bloomberg said to his employees often enough that they wound up in a published book that the employees mm-hmm. circulated amongst themselves and gave him as a gift. And here is my favorite last quote by Mike Bloomberg. If Jesus was a Jew, why does he have a Puerto Rican first name?
2: <laughs> Interesting question he's posing. Ha! Uh,
4: another,
1: some more playful ribbing. From mm-hmm. the the, uh, the best candidate w- w- we have to offer, it's America. really hard to even of joke the about it. It is really hard. I, I yeah.
2: am not enjoying it
1: because these. they're just
6: especially they're so bad. Especially since his excuse yeah. for everything was it was a joke. It's, it's really
2: upsetting. So yeah. I'm going to stop playing along that it's funny. <laughs>
6: oh,
4: good. It's yeah. horrible. it's, I think it's, it's Absolutely. Game. Like none of these are funny. Um, yeah. Especially I mean, like, like some his of them are derogatory
6: argu- terms. Yeah. Like there's no reason to use that those certain words
2: ever. Yeah.
4: No, like they aren't all some of them are, I guess, fine within the context of a businessman, like the idea that like, yeah, you got to you got to fuck the customer. That's pretty common in that. But like a lot of this is, yeah, it points to the kind of man that he is. Yeah, it's how he views the world, how he views people who are
1: him, how he views like power.
4: And it's just gross. Mm hmm. Now, I always want to be fair to people, and it would, be, it would be unfair to not make it very clear that Mike Bloomberg's employees, the ones who wrote the portable Bloomberg at least, did so because they really liked him. The author of this tome, a woman, described the working environment at Bloomberg's company as being, quote, like a religious sect in terms of the devotion of employees to their boss. So I, I do have to note that, like, the folks that he said these things to, a number of them at least, um, considered these things to be charming and witty. But not all of his employees, and I can't say what percentage of them felt that way. I can say that a significant number of other employees were deeply unhappy with things that Mike said over the years. We do not know entirely how many of those people there were because of non-disclosure agreements. Um, but we know that, for example, in 1993, former executive Sakiko Sakai Garrison sued the company, claiming that, among other things, Mike had asked her if she was still dating her boyfriend. When she said yes, he asked... You giving him good blowjobs?
2: Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's upsetting.
4: Yeah, nobody respects women anymore f- me. Hmm. No one. No one at all. <sighs> In 1994, he was accused of telling one male employee about his girlfriend, who was also an employee. That is one great piece of ass. You must be a great fuck. Cool. It's, compl- it's cool. It's cool thing to it's say to compliment. an employee. It's a compliment. He's being all the nice. best bosses. Tell their employees they must be great fucks. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't have. i I have nothing to add. I'm angry right now. <laughs>
4: There's no joke. Yeah, I, I, I'm just it's angry. Just, it's, he's just like he's just like a gross rich guy who has power over all these people and things. He can do whatever he wants and never had to learn to like not be an asshole. Um, at a sales conference in 1996, Mike told all of his salespeople that he would quote like nothing more in life than to have Sharon Stone sit on my face. Okay. Again, this was at a yeah. work event. Mm. Yeah. Before we conclude my section, I wanna talk a little bit more about the Bloomberg Terminal. It is by all accounts a great product, one that has survived the birth of the smartphone era by being absolutely indispensable to the traders who use it. These terminals have a lot of information on their subscribers, and in 2013, Bloomberg News reporters were caught using the terminal to steal subscriber information and figure out what they were using it for. Effectively, the journalism component of Mike Bloomberg's operation was using the terminals that he sold to to traders to spy on them in order to report on trading. (laughs) Bloomberg admitted that this practice was common and then regretfully changed the practice. More recently, the Financial Times found that the Bloomberg terminals were directing users to his twenty twenty campaign website when they typed in the word Mike. This was claimed by a spokesman to be an honest mistake. We accidentally coded this into oh, the terminals. Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> maybe with the guy hist- with the history of like spying on people and like people yeah. in the city he's mayor of. Uh, maybe it wasn't an accident. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. That's that's my seven pages on Mike Bloomberg. That's imp- I,
2: impressive.
4: Impressive, Love you a, all. a
2: lot of a, a lot of details packed in here. We got to take a quick break, and then we'll be back for more things.
4: Hey,
1: Mike, there. tell us tell us why we're you're great.
4: Yeah, tell me I'm a good fuck, Mike. I need to hear that once a day from my boss. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we can take care of that for you.
5: Welcome to the worst year ever.
3: Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
2: Everything is so dumb, 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 da-dum, dumb da-dum, And we're back dumb, dumb, from those ads. Dumb, 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 we're going to talk about some other down. things. Everything mayor blurb Boom related. Uh, yeah, there we go. Let's talk about his time as mayor of New York City. Uh, we don't have very much time. I'll bet time. it's
4: unproblematic. It is. <laughs>
2: uh, we can't get into all the nitty gritty just because kind of like the highlights Uh, and perhaps the most important thing he did while he was in office was frequently participate in the annual inner circle charity review a show that brings Broadway stars and local politicians together on stage to roast the city and themselves proceeds get donated to charities I mean I I just I want to play a really a quick clip because I think we can all agree that the man is a star and he was born for the stage. Mm -hmm. down here we got snapping turtles up there we got big
5: fat bugs down here the whales making trouble, up there rats taking drugs. New Yorkers the bravest people, the cops
4: on the pit day care. It's true firefighters, teachers, we got heroes everywhere. Okay,
2: simple. okay, you get the point. Uh I, I like I it's, said, a natural star.
4: I liked it. It's like somebody took what's the most charismatic man I can think of. It's like somebody took George Clooney and then S- ma- like like caused the human equivalent of whatever happens when a star dies so that he collapsed in on himself <laughs> and was replaced by a negative reality version of him it's sucked true. of all of its its charisma it's like true. that's mike bloomberg as a performer
2: but that's not all he did as mayor. Uh, he also really stuck it to the homeless people. Mm. Uh, not only did the homeless population bloom to the highest number since the Depression uh, mm. while he was mayor, in 2009, Bloomberg's administration started secretly charging rent to homeless families that had some that had some income coming in from jobs and were living in uh, publicly-run shelters. Uh, quote, Vanessa DaCosta, who earns $8.40 an hour as a cashier at Sparrow, received a notice under her door several weeks ago informing her that she had to give... $336 of her approximately $800 per month in wages to the Clinton family inn, a shelter in Hell's Kitchen where she has lived since March. Um, and apparently this had been a state law since 1997 that the city could charge rent at homeless shelters, but it didn't get enforced until the city got audited and had to pay back uh, state housing aid under Bloomberg. Um, and so they started jumping through hoops, justifying it, uh, you know, this is a quote from Robert Hess, the City Commissioner of, of Homeless Services at the time. I think it's hard to argue that families that can contribute to their shelter costs shouldn't. Uh, I don't see this playing out oh. in an adverse way. Our objective is not for families mm. to remain in shelter. Our objective mm. is to move families back into their own homes and into the community. Right. So I might. I might. Paying a really high percentage of your uh, very low income, is that going to help them move out of a shelter? I
1: don't That's how you shelter. save. That's how you
4: save money. Also,
2: uh, ah. what about so, so they're charging rent? Are they protected by renters' laws? I don't think so.
4: <sighs> okay. I want to light something on fire. Like, and not in like the whimsical way, but in like the, I can't think of anything more yeah. ghoulish
3: well, let's than talk- the
4: billionaire mayor of a city being like, this law that nobody has enact, like yeah. inf- like th- this thing that's possible but no one's done because it's so ghoulishly vile. Let's do that because right. these shiftless homeless people have it too easy. I know it's
1: yeah, it's the um, it's the uh, how do you keep someone employed? Do they need three meals a day or whatever that
4: quote was? Yeah. It's just
1: like and then yeah,
4: the, yeah, the, this is the policy pushed by the same man who then spent enough money to home every homeless person in New York City. On his vanity yeah. election. Sorry. I mean, we, we know. It's, yeah. yeah. Please continue. Anyway, it's
2: you just, think that's bad. Let's talk vile. about stop and frisk, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is stop and frisk? Uh, according to the Cornell Law School, it refers to a brief, non-intrusive police stop of a suspect. The Fourth Amendment requires that before stopping the suspect, the police must have a reasonable suspicion that a crime has been, is being, or is about to be committed by the suspect. If the police reasonably suspect that the suspect is armed and dangerous, the police may frisk the subject, meaning that the police will give a quick pat-down of the suspect's outer clothing. And uh, I'm sorry, this definition leaves out a lot. Mm. Uh, Like how easy it is for police officers to abuse and how it unfairly targets people of color, exacerbating racism and tension between minority communities and the police. Now, stop and frisk had been a staple of policing in the U.S. since before Bloomberg took office. Uh, The strategy spread with the adoption of the data-focused ComStat management system that was started in the 90s. Uh, this system allowed police to track and respond to crime trends in real time. There's actually a really good reply all. I think it's a two-parter. But anyway, they've got a really good reply all on the ComStat system, and I you know, I recommend checking it out. But basically, uh, it was a system that evolved from efforts to stop subway crime. They started using data to track where pickpockets and muggers were were committing their crimes and stay one step ahead of them. And it worked. Crime rates started going down and it received a lot of positive feedback. Other states and cities uh, began adopting the same measures. But then the city got caught in the cycle of needing to constantly improve crime stats and officers were pressured to up their arrests, et cetera. And, and police found themselves being punished if they didn't participate in this kind of corrupt racist system, you know, because they they have all this pressure to up their arrests and stop crime. Yeah, and yeah, so they're target targeting, chorus. you know, um, like there's stories about uh, um, rapists, people raping prostitutes and prostitutes getting pulled in, you know. Uh, anyway, it, the whole thing, it, it was bigger than just stop and frisk, but it really, that's part of the reason why stop and frisk uh, exploded. Uh, and during Bloomberg's tenure from 2002 to 2013, stop and frisk ballooned. Officers stopped. Uh, people they believed to be engaged in criminal activity more than 5 million times. Officers often search the de- detainees, the vast majority of whom were black and, and Latino men, uh, for weapons that rarely materialized. Technically, officers are required to have reasonable belief that a person is, has been, or is about to be you know, involved in a crime. But, you know, many, 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 many police officers will take the color of someone's skin as a reasonable belief that a person may have been involved in a crime. Uh, especially since they were under so much pressure to keep stop-and-frisk numbers up. Uh, Crime rates did continue to go down during his time in office. Bloomberg pointed to this as cause and effect, that the city was safer because they were taking guns off the street. But in August uh, of 2013, uh, U.S. District Judge uh, Shira—I can't pronounce her last name—Shindlin? Shindlin? Shindlin. I'm sorry, Shira, if you're listening— Uh, (laughs) ruled that stop and risk had been used in an unconstitutional manner um, and that the police uh, had to adopt a written policy to specify which stops were authorized. And so it's, you know, changed. Uh, And Bloomberg and his administration would, you know, talk about how crime rates would go back up if they abandoned stop and frisk. But that doesn't seem to be true. Uh, For example, in 2018, five years after that ruling, the murder rate was at the lowest it's been since the 50s, um, for example. So okay. Yeah,
4: it yeah. it's probably worth noting that in the time period when New York had its incredibly incredible drop in crime, uh the rest of the United States also had a massive drop in violent
2: well, crime. Well, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. okay, uh maybe he he that's an important thing to note. Uh maybe he learned from the mistakes of his of, of his past. You know, mm. since entering the presidential race, he has apologized Surely. for his past positions, but unfortunately as recently as 2015, he has been on record Defending stop and frisk. Uh, In February, an audio recording surfaced of Bloomberg defending the program at a 2015 Aspen Institute event. Um, In the speech, he said, 95% of murders, murderers, and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities, 16 to 25. That's true in New York. That's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that are getting killed. So you want to spend the money on a lot of cops on the street. Put those cops where the crime is, which means in minority neighborhoods. So one of the unattended consequences is people say, oh, my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. Yeah, that's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is to throw them up against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, oh, I don't wanna get hot, so they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home, mm. cool, 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 cool,
1: um yeah, <laughs> Disgusting, that's cool. nauseating,
6: um, should not be allowed to run for president, should never have been mayor continue
1: shouldn't um uh it's the that's the uh mm. enrollment and uh attendance of schools in those neighborhoods went down during stop and frisk because they were uh it sure did. terrified. Uh, to go to school.
2: (laughs) Anyway, all sorts of other dumb shit happened while he was mayor. He cracked down on civil liberties like protests under the guise of fighting terrorism. He tried to stop regulations on toxic chemicals and paint dust, I guess. Oh, yeah, and he got the New York City Council to approve changes uh, to term limits laws, (laughs) which allowed Bloomberg to sink and win a third term. Um, People were not happy about this, but it's hard to say no to Bloomberg, especially at that time. You know, his vast wealth gave him enormous power in the city. Uh, he was a huge donor to charities and you know, different organizations. He basically bought their loyalty. Uh, and so it was hard for people to speak out against him and, and to gain traction and all that. So I guess maybe that's, that's where the similarities end.
1: That's, a, that's it.
2: Anyway, that, that's what I got
1: for, I for the mayor it. section. Yeah, I mean, even just the stop and frisk stuff uh, sh- should be disqualifying. <laughs> That, yeah. that quote, uh, the mindset behind it, they kind of addressed this at the at the de- one of the debates. But like he apologized ultimately for uh, what th- the policy did, not what it is. He has yet to acknowledge like, oh, yeah, maybe it was a bad idea. Yeah. Maybe the thinking behind it is actually very bad.
2: You know, he claims that he didn't understand how bad it was at the time, but that's not true. People were protesting. He knew exactly what was happening. Well he also
1: says that he uh I you know, I rolled it back. I ended up rolling it back. Well,
4: they made you.
2: Yeah. The they said
4: they it was it. unconstitutional. You, 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 got, they, they you forced were forced you to, to, do do to it. roll it back after massive outcry. Yeah, they over stopped the you and frisked you, you and
1: enacted. they found out, oh no, he's got a bad policy.
4: I I, want to roll some things by you. I do want to say a little thing about guns. And this is something that particularly frustrates me with Bloomberg. I understand that I am not on the same page as a lot of Democrats uh, when it comes to firearms. um, And I try not to make that a, a huge portion of the show or anything. Because, like people can want to even ban assault weapons, which I don't personally agree with, and it's not I, I don't think that they're they're bad people or dumb for wanting that. I just yeah. happen to disagree. But it pisses me off when a guy like Mike Bloomberg says a lot of the things he says about guns. For one thing, he has bragged a lot about the the fact that New York is much safer now on gun control policies. And I have some serious doubts as to how much uh, of a factor they played, primarily due to the fact that the kinds of firearms that are used in crimes in New York are um, We're not the kind of assault weapons that we're currently talking about. They're usually like five- and six-shot revolvers. But outside of that, what frustrates me about Michael Bloomberg talking about his desire for more gun control is that Michael Bloomberg, for the vast majority of his life, has hired a coterie of bodyguards armed with the kind of weapons that he does not believe should be legal for other people to possess. And it is frustrating to me when a private billionaire hires what amounts to a private military force with assault weapons, with semi-automatic handguns, with concealed handgun licenses that normal New Yorkers cannot get, but his special bodyguards can because he's the mayor and because he can or because he, he has the wealth and connections to make that happen. It's normally impossible to get a concealed handgun license in the city of New York. Uh, very rich people and their bodyguards somehow wind up getting the few that are issued. Yeah, And that is, I, fi- I don't find it frustrating when someone like Elizabeth Warren wants to uh, institute a new assault weapons ban. It's something I might disagree with, but I think it's a genuinely held up point. I think with a guy like Mike Bloomberg, he doesn't want there to be less guns because he's worried about gun crime. He wants to have access to those weapons for the people that protect him and his money, and he doesn't want anyone else to have them. Yeah. And that does frustrate yeah. me. That's yeah.
1: important.
2: Cody, do you want to share a few things? Yeah.
1: Just a few things. Okay. Um, we, we've we gone through his life and times mm-hmm. and career and things, and we've gotten to the point where he decided to run for president. Sure. So we will briefly talk about this. I feel like we've talked about it on the show before, mm-hmm. um, and just how his campaign is operating One interesting thing is that he announced uh, he wasn't going to run for president, and then he did about a month after Jeff Epstein died. Hmm. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. (laughs) But um, last year... So you're saying
2: Bloomberg had him killed. I'm
1: not saying anything about my uh, great friend Michael Bloomberg, who uh, we support greatly. Um, He has actually said that he wouldn't run for president and that he didn't think he would win. I believe as early as last year he uh, said that he would have to change his views if he were to run. He as said he would have to change, if he would run as a Democrat, he'd have to change all of his views and go on an apology tour, mm-hmm. um, which we're not really seeing. We're yeah, not really we seeing are. that apology tour, Mike. We're actually defending everything you've said and just saying like it was jokes. And I find that interesting. Um, I find it interesting that uh, a few years ago, he said on stage in front of cameras for people to hear that uh, Bernie Sanders would have won during the 2016 election. And... This sort of brings me to the main point, which is that he is actually not running to become the president. Mm-hmm. He's at this point, I think, spent more than half a billion dollars of his own money so on this. Money. Um, he has pledged that he would give uh, about a billion dollars to whoever is the Democratic nominee. Um, he has rescinded that offer uh, to Bernie <laughs> Sanders uh, for some reason. Interesting. It is interesting, isn't he it? Only
2: get taxed.
1: Yeah. So that is what is going on here. It seems because he doesn't really have a path to the nomination. He's actually currently speaking with superdelegates and a lot of the DNC to try to uh, game a brokered convention. That That is his path to victory, it seems. And I think it's telling what he's doing when he jumped into the race. Uh, nobody has voted for him yet, yet he still thinks he, uh, he is the one to do it. He has arrived in the election claiming not only is he the only person that can beat Donald Trump, but that the race is now between himself and Bernie Sanders,
4: uh, despite getting no <laughs> votes, no votes, Mike, none. And also, like, yeah, just like, like let's let's pretend Joe Biden doesn't exist. It's let's wild. Let's pretend Elizabeth like, Warren doesn't exist. These people who have delegates, the yeah.
1: audacity yeah. of coming in and saying, "I'm," it's between me and Bernie. I'm the only one. Um, and I find it interesting. The uh, audacity
2: of coming in at all like at
4: this. At all. How, how dare you make me stand up for Joe Biden? Unbelievable. Fucking I refuse, fucking, but I will because yeah. Bloomberg's here now.
1: Unbelievable. Um, at least he's been running. Yeah. I think it's very telling all these things that have happened that led him to running um, and how he's definitely not going to get the nomination. He's just here to mess things up because his his pitch is very empty. His pitch is that he's independently wealthy. Mm-hmm which Mm -hmm. I would argue actually disenfranchises people donations like these uh, donations to campaigns is like one of the very few ways that people can actually exercise their political power um, and show their support for a candidate. And by removing that, he is removing um, democracy a bit by saying, oh, I'll just fund the whole thing. And he's also saying that the only thing that matters is defeating Donald Trump. That's the thing. And I'm not saying that that's not important. But by saying that, he is excusing himself from actually having a platform. Yeah. If you say, yeah. I yeah, can, I mean, you I can see him up Trump. there in the
2: debate stage. The only thing he's talking about is Trump.
1: It's the only thing. Like, and it
2: makes him just draws the parallel that he's so much like Trump when yes, he does it. Yes,
1: it's so obvious. Um, and Le- never-Trumpers really drool over this sort of uh, approach because they think that, like, well, why aren't they going after Trump? Yeah. Well, it's easy to go after Trump and it's the primary. Come on. So yeah, he's offering nothing and also, he's framing this as though Trump is actually terrified of going up against me, citing no, there's no evidence yeah. for this. It's, there's actually much more evidence that Trump is actually scared of going up against Bernie Sanders. But it's just, it's sort of like this weird lie after lie after lie, saying, like, I'm running for this and this and this. And here's what, here's the situation it's me or Bernie, folks. And it's so transparent. Uh, what he is actually doing and what his yeah. goal is. Um, and it's actually disgusting how much money he's of his, his own that he's mm-hmm. pouring into this in order to steal an election
4: I mean, from people. <laughs> Cody, think about it this way. I think you're overemphasizing how much he spent. It, he could, with the money he spent running for president, he could barely have fixed Flint, Michigan's water problems nine or ten times. So barely nine or ten times. Like, so he yeah.
1: probably could have covered yeah. those homeless people's rent at the homeless shelter. Just throwing that out there. Once
2: you start doing it for one person, you have to do it for all of them.
1: Yeah. To this sort of point of why he's actually running um, not to be president, uh, which if he won, he would be a bad president. We can all agree. But he's not running to be president. He's doing it to stop people. Mm -hmm. In a closed-door event in June 2016, uh, Mike Bloomberg said that his presidential campaign platform would be to defend the banks. uh, (laughs) Yeah. He joked about droning his personal enemies, something that's, but that's the last that's the last similarity between him and Trump. That's the last one. Um he also called the Jesus. progressive movement and Elizabeth Warren specifically scary. Jesus Christ. The writing is on the wall for what he's doing. It was very obvious without this audio, but I think that speaks exactly to what's See, going on.
4: I know I'm coming across probably as the the, the heavily armed lunatic of the podcast, which I am. <laughs> um but when you've got a billionaire talking about the progressive movement to fix horrific wealth inequality and provide health care to people as scary, and also trying to take away those people's guns while arming a private militia, essentially, of his own to protect his own body and property. I don't I don't like that, Cody. I don't like that. I, I don't see the problem. Um, but then again, I wasn't listening to
1: anything you said. So I probably yeah. agree with what you said.
4: <laughs> I'm just gonna cash my Mike Bloomberg check to buy something he doesn't think I should own. Yes, that's, that's absolutely. How I'm Stick deal it to with him. These no,
1: yeah, it's yeah. uh it's uh gross that he's able to do this mm-hmm. and more people aren't uh disgusted, openly disgusted mm-hmm. about it. Um I I alluded to it earlier, but it's very interesting watching who gets on the Bloomberg train. Um and it's like um it's like the that, Bloom uh, train, yeah. Yeah, it's like that that chemical you put in pools to see uh who uh, there if there's urine in the pool like my gonorrhea uh no
4: <laughs> there's like a chemical you can put in pools to to see pee. yeah i think that i think i named it right did you say gonorrhea yeah that's what you put in swimming pools so that it, it cleans them <laughs> makes the pee i think you, you gotta get a new pool guy man i'm sorry i mean a lot of people have been saying that screaming that really a lot of people are screaming that at you. Shouting that angrily. Yeah. Uh, Get like, a new yeah. pool
1: guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Blo- Bloomberg is the uh, the P chemical for pools, I think, uh, in terms of like punditry. The gonorrhea for pools. Yes, yeah. exactly. Bloomberg is gonorrhea for mm-hmm.
4: pools. A statement endorsed financially by Mike Bloomberg. Sophie's, Sophie's rolling in here with some motherfucking research like a goddamn champion anaconda cobra. Tossing it to Sophie.
6: That was unnecessary. Uh, I think, as people probably know about this already, but because it was hinted at during one of the debates, but Bloomberg's campaign actually sent an internal memo to all the other candidates running for president, telling them to uh, stop running for president so that he could win because uh, there was no way Sanders could beat uh, Donald Trump. And then the document goes on to point out the alleged weakness in each of Bloomberg's moderate competitors. Before Mm. concluding, if... Biden, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar remain in the race despite having no path to actually get the delegates on Super Tuesday and beyond. They propel Sanders to a seemingly—it's <laughs> literally just like saying that he's there's no way mm-hmm. that Sanders yeah. get is he? Lit- so yeah, it's a
1: stop Sanders campaign. Um, it's a stop
6: Sanders campaign, mm-hmm. but also it's like, hey, I'm gonna insult all of you.
1: Yeah, and I'm that, gonna show up with my billions of dollars, and say that I'm the front runner, actually, and then insult yeah, everybody. And, and, yeah, and mind you, this was the before entitlement. the entitlement.
6: Yeah, mind you, this is before uh, this was on February 17th. So,
1: yeah, it's uh, it's <sighs> embarrassing and disgusting, um, and uh, very Trumpy and weird. Um, it's the contrast between because we've also seen so much. Um, oh, Bernie is so, such a Trump guy. It's very Trump-like, Trump-like behavior. When Bloomberg Trump-like shows up. like behavior,
4: like wanting to give everyone health care. Yeah,
1: disgusting Trumpian <laughs> stuff. And Bloomberg is, to a T, what they're saying that Sanders is. That is such a Trumpian thing to do. Just, like, jump in, insert, like, all that kind of stuff.
4: The big difference between them is that Donald Trump is very comfortable um, slyly messaging to a growing network of heavily armed militias around the country um, to protect himself um, whereas Michael Bloomberg prefers to heavily arm police and private security companies in order to protect himself and his assets. Exactly. And huge differences between those two mm-hmm. things and their impact on regular people. Yeah. Massive differences. Super.
1: Uh, you you've very clearly laid out the differences um, that I
4: now see. Yeah. Um,
1: mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really something. Um, he is also just this is very uh, <laughs> this is very silly criticism, but he's come in to this race um to basically say like bernie's dangerous uh he can't win against trump despite evidence that he can um and it's my it's my campaign to win now and also the bernie bros are just like the maga folks um he's yep. really really leaned hard on every single talking point that never trump republicans have been planting the seeds for for years uh, it's very telling, I think, and uh, that he has showed up and is like that thing, that thing all the never Trumpers said. It's th- that is my campaign. Um, his billboard saying that like who, Trump eats who, bad steak, I eat steak cooked well. I'm a good billionaire. It's very disgusting.
4: But who's a better? I mean, Cody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. Now. Yeah. Who can we trust more for advice on Democratic politics? than a bunch of guys who never voted for a Democrat until the choice was between a Democrat and a literal fascist.
1: Mm. Mm. Those seem
4: like trustworthy people. Mm.
6: Also, his ads are fucking horrible.
4: Yes, they are. We haven't said
6: that yet, and I just think it's really necessary to point out. There's one where there's like a boxing ring horrible. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It's,
1: it's,
6: um, it's embarrassing. Half a
1: billion dollars on this stuff. Um, and then you see a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, oh wow, Bloomberg going after Trump. This is what we need. We will go after Trump when there's a nominee. Un- like He's This not,
6: is a waste of time. Yeah, it's it's not you about know what? him know and right And now. you
4: know what? We've all been going after Trump for almost four years now, mm. and it didn't stop him from doing anything. Mm. He's gotten to do the things, and people making fun of him and yelling at him didn't do anything
1: hmm. maybe we should offer maybe. people something that will mobilize them and energize them as an alternative to Trump as opposed to saying vote for me I'm like Trump but I'm less rude that's what he is he's slightly I mean, less rude publicly I, and I was he's a like, little more slightly. and he's a little more competent that's another thing about Bloomberg that is like oh you're a little more competent and you're a little more civil on the surface so people will uh, accept you more Um, You're more aesthetically acceptable, but they're the same kind of person. Um, There's a reason there's so many pictures of them playing golf together.
6: Don't forget about that beautiful song he sang at that charity
1: event. Oh, yeah. Also, I love that uh, he came out with a a big, look at all the vandalism that the Bernie bros are doing to our offices. First of all, uh, I question whether or not it's accurate at all, but so many of those pictures were of posters left outside. And it's being presented as this vandalism. And it's, again, it's just all these sort of right-wing talking points that have bubbled to the surface that people like Buttigieg have latched onto to now that Bloomberg came, even though Buttigieg dropped out today. So, good for him.
6: I hate him so much. Yep.
4: It's a good time to be an American. Is it is. the conclusion we've made. And it's good to be an American because of Michael Fitzgerald Scott. Thomas Montgomery, Buttigieg, Paul, Bloomberg. Elizabeth Bloomberg. I I want to note that our sponsor today, Michael Bloomberg's official stance on the JFK assassination is that whether or not Bernie did it, it's not a big deal.
1: Oh yeah, no, forgiven. Yeah, accepted. Forgiven. You know, water under the bridge, Bernie. Water the Thank bridge.
4: you for taking the most progressive stance on Bernard Sanders' assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, mm-hmm. Michael Bloomberg.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable thing. And then we we'll probably Bloomberg. put in the end there. Yeah. Uh wait one more. <laughs> I will say, uh yeah. right before Super Tuesday, so we'll see. Um I think it's interesting that Bloomberg thinks he's stopping Bernie when actually he's siphoning off a lot of support for Joe Biden, the only person that uh is the real alternative to Bernie. He's literally
6: running the same exact ads as Biden with, like, oh, look, Obama's my friend. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, when people are finally yeah. able to vote for Bloomberg. Yeah. Hasn't got a single vote yet. <sighs> well. Well.
2: Okay, that about does it for us today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can check us out online at Worst Year Pod on the Twitter and the Instagram. There's merch and stuff. Um, <laughs>
4: and you can you can also find us on your phone by uh, yeah. just texting mike bloomberg to any number yep. any, any number, number at any all number. you just start just start texting it and don't say anything else don't type anything else just repeatedly type the words mike bloomberg and randomly text them to everybody in your phone for hours i think it's a great
6: everyone idea everyone
4: just do that mm-hmm. it's a great idea Spend your time no doing sides and and Spend your time and doing
6: that. and uh, we'll have a special Super Tuesday episode this week. We yeah, will yeah, have yeah, a yeah, special yeah, Super Tuesday,
1: Tuesday episode. Yeah. We
2: will be back uh, the next day after <laughs> you hear
4: this.
2: <laughs> With that, we will be
4: back. Thanks to the support of Mike Bloomberg, who funded this episode and endorses everything we've said in it. He
2: made it. He made this happen Everything's so dumb.
0: Everything's so
6: dumb,
2: and
0: it's gonna get dumber.
6: Great. I tried. <laughs>